1: It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. And today is my favorite day of the week, Clark Stinks Day, where we get to talk about where, um, well, maybe I was a little lame, so it's coming straight ahead. We get to talk about where advice I've given... In your opinion, missed the mark, was wrong, I messed up, I missed part of the story, whatever. And also, something that's often overlooked and extremely important is renter's insurance. I want to talk about that, how you buy it, what it costs, what happens if you don't have it. But without further ado, it is time for... Clark stinks. I should have never encouraged you to
0: speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. Okay, on a recent podcast, a question was asked about a career job change, and the primary response was about volunteering. I'd like to suggest adding a career aptitude testing as a way to generate ideas. This helped me find a happier work life about 14 years ago. Julie.
1: Julie, thank you. And if you went to college, a lot of colleges have their career development centers and they offer this testing to their alums for free because the college has a vested interest in you finding something you really enjoy and that over time you can make more money at. So then, uh, well, the if-then, maybe you give more money as an alum because you're really happy how the school served you when it taught you and even after you were done with your education.
0: Clark doesn't stink, but often his take on solar credits sure does. I subscribe to wind power credits on my power bill. Yes, I pay an extra $7 per bill, However, I don't have to pay the $8 fuel surcharge either. But the exciting part happens once a year when they calculate the true cost and pay me back any overcharge to the tune of $50 a year the last two years. By the way, my average bill is only $50 per month. Paul.
1: Paul, that's fantastic on multiple levels. In a lot of the states where power is tightly regulated and there's a monopoly power provider, when you pay for these Uh, new forms of energy credits Mm -hmm. non-fossil fuel credits that it's just a profit center for the utility company because they generate power cheaper from wind or solar than any other way and then they charge you a feel-good charge in your case you're actually a partner with them and you're getting back money
0: from it that's fine clark stinks like a nest thermostat set on fire Clark keeps promoting Nest quite often, while a regular programmable thermostat costs about five times less and does the same thing. You don't need Nest AI when your schedule is simple, night, morning, day, evening. You can program weekdays and weekends and don't need a Nest to spy on you, Michael.
1: Michael, that is a good point. Speaking of the spying, uh, what we're talking about is there are simple thermostats that aren't monitoring everything you do. And they're, they're relatively easy to set when you have a very clear schedule. In my case, my life schedule is pretty crazy, and having the Nest AI is really valuable. But I had a really interesting thing happen. I got an alert from Nest that I should call my heating and air conditioning company to come check out the unit because it was noticing that the unit was cutting itself off and on the unit itself. And so I've done that now and I'm waiting to hear what's going on with the unit. So either I'm going to have a service call charge for a false alarm or they'll find a problem that could have become much bigger later and I'll report back.
0: Wow. Clark, you stink. When you complained that hospitals charge more than independent facilities for things like imaging, you failed to explain that hospitals have to treat patients regardless of whether they have insurance. Private imaging centers, oncology offices, and outpatient surgery centers don't have to provide chemo or other care from people with no insurance or who can't pay. They can send them to the hospital system. From Kathy.
1: Kathy, thank you. And uncompensated care is a real issue in medicine it is true that part of the higher cost in a hospital setting is because of uncompensated care, but that's only part of the picture. If you look at the financials of hospitals as what percent they write off because of uncompensated care, a lot of it is that hospitals have developed these semi-monopolies in areas and use that semi-monopoly status to raise rates. And I think of an example of something I heard recently from someone who has gone, I just read this, that he's given up trying to shop around for medicine and he's gone into one of the big hospital systems because it was just too much hassle trying to do things as a free agent out there. And so he's just turned over his independence to one of them and all his uh, doctors he sees and everything he does in one of the hospital systems. And so he's paying more for it, but he just didn't want the hassle. So he went in knowing that was what was happening, but he's doing it.
0: Clark was incomplete in his answer to the high-fee, simple IRA question. Unlike a 401k, there is always a workaround with all employer-sponsored simple IRA plans that you aren't stuck in their crummy high-cost plan. A simple IRA is set up using either Form 5304 or 5305. If it is a Form 5304, there is no designated financial institution, and you can choose Vanguard for your contributions. If it's 5305, there's still a loophole to get the money to Vanguard. Prior IRS guidelines, you are allowed to set up a frozen or orphan simple IRA and have the money transferred at least on a monthly basis at no cost or penalties. And that was from Stephen.
1: And so Stephen, most people aren't going to do the effort you're talking about, but if they are going to do it, you don't invest the money in the employer when, if you're just going to transfer the money right out. So you have it sit in whatever their stable value fund is, or if they have some form of money market fund or something like that, you put it in that and then you transfer. Yes, you are correct. That is true. But most people aren't going to take the effort that you did.
0: Uh, Someone asked for advice in finding a divorce lawyer. Since you've been happily married for a long time, you can be forgiven for not thinking about suggesting a divorce mediator. A moderator will work with the couple to come up to a mutually acceptable divorce agreement. Rather than paying two or more lawyers to battle things out and paying them on an hourly basis with bills that easily run up to 20K or more each, a mediator typically charges a flat fee that is a fraction of the cost bill.
1: Bill, thank you. And it's funny, I did a TV story on divorce mediation, and then I didn't even mention it when we were talking about it here on the podcast. And divorce mediation can work in many situations, reduces potential animosity. I'd say the one case that divorce mediation does not work out is when one of the two people in a crumbling relationship is the much stronger personality. And I think that they end up running over that individual. And the individual in a mediation makes too many concessions who is the weaker party in that. So the dynamic of the marriage becomes a factor in doing mediation. If it's just an incompatibility thing and there's not a situation where one person is a much stronger force than the other, Then mediation is a way to potentially reduce hurt feelings and reduce expenses and potentially get to a more equitable and speedier resolution. I agree with that.
0: Clark mentioned that Apple products have great resale value. Perhaps some do, but he is wrong, wrong, wrong about my 2012 iMac. Apple told me that they give me $4. For my iMac on a trade-in. That's a far cry from the $1,402.20 that it cost me in December of 2012. Okay,
1: John. Okay, I got to tell you, I love this. All right. So this Mac costs you $140 a year to have in your life. I mean, that is unbelievable. Writing the value down to zero, $140. $4. A huh? <laughs> just well, you got the $4. So I just, I just, I know, I wrote it off. Mm. Okay. So <laughs> computers of any brand lose value very rapidly. Apple does hold value better, but a 10 year old computer will hold no value on the other hand don't take the four dollars put that imac in a closet give it enough time then it becomes a collectible there you go. as long as it's in really good clean shape and then maybe it's going to be worth real money there
0: you go why not? Mr. Howard. Oh boy. My wife took your recommendation regarding swag box as a way to earn extra money from home. She earned $12 during 10 hours of survey taking, entering receipts, playing games, etc. Now her account has been deactivated due to a quote unquote fraudulent use by her, even though she says she didn't do anything fraudulent. She apparently will not get the $12. Not only that, her login has been disabled, so she can't even complain to them please quit recommending them Don
1: so this is an a uh, item we have where we reviewed swagbucks at clark.com and I think that uh, hopefully this is an odd situation that she was only earning effectively a dollar twenty an hour
0: Well one of the things our reviewer said was that it like you can't expect to make much that it is effectively. Um, this this was one dollar and twenty nine cents an hour. Our reviewer made. Oh, so it was the so, same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Uh, so. So we're not necessarily recommending it, but we review honestly yeah. all these services. So we
1: found the same hourly rate as your wife earned in our article dollar twenty nine well, nine cents more an hour, but that's really terrible, and I wonder. The way we write it, we write it like a narrative. Mm-hmm. I wonder at a dollar twenty nine an hour if we should be saying that should be at the very top. I mean, this is as best we can tell, legit. But what we were able to earn is a dollar twenty nine an hour. Effectively, read below, mm-hmm. and then probably nobody's going to read below at that point.
0: Probably not. Um, one way I suggest to reach the company is to do a who is lookup on their URL. So, um, I'm working on that and I will, if I find something, I will, uh, definitely call the Clark Stinks poster. Okay. Um, Clark, we had a few about this. You really stink when it comes to mentioning heat pumps. You said that we will hate heat pumps below 37 degrees Fahrenheit. That is drastically incorrect. There are many heat pumps that work as low as minus 20 degrees Fahrenheit. You just have to pick the right model. Even if the efficiency of the heat pump drops more and the colder the weather is, it is still much more efficient for emissions and energy use than using a gas heater. Please do not accidentally dissuade people from adopting this necessary and superior technology based on outdated information or miss john
1: john uh you're not the only person who was upset with me i don't know how many wrote in but i had somebody come and talk to me about it and i have done a lot more reading and research you're right i was wrong heat pumps are actually a very very efficient way to heat and cool your home could have the effect of cutting your utility bills that are devoted to heating and cooling by as much as half. They cost more up front, but over time, they are a much, much better deal. And I stand corrected by you and many other people on the outdated information about once you get into the mid-30s that the heat pump becomes a problem, and that is no longer the case. And I apologize for the information I said before that was clearly outdated.
0: Love you and have listened to you for years, but you made a big mistake when you told the travel nurse who was making $200,000 a year to use their Roth 403B if it was an option. The Roth is an excellent tool if you expect your income tax rate to be higher in retirement than it is now. Travel nurses are making huge salaries right now that will not last long term, or at least most of the travel nurses will not be travel nurses for the length of their career. They will be making a lower salary, most likely in the future. So it makes no sense to pay 32% marginal tax rate to save 22 to 24% in the future. Scott. Scott, okay,
1: you're right that the marginal tax rate is 32%, and that would be a problem. Now, that's after deductions and all that. So that goes in above one hundred and sixty-five thousand I think Mm -hmm. yeah so most of it would be taxed at a lower rate I'm really trying to think that through because tax rates are historically lower than they normally would be yeah that that could be a good circumstance to do traditional rather than Roth or to do a mix of the two And the bubble has burst on the traveling nurse thing. They're not earning the money they were earning last year. The wages have come down some from what the pay rates were. So it was an unusual circumstance earning over $200,000 a year as a traveling nurse. So I would say, yeah, and for that one year, doing traditional would make sense regularly doing the Roth version would be the smarter decision. But I wouldn't say it's a slam dunk that doing traditional would be the right move with the one odd year of excess earnings. So I, I don't think that this is a case that automatically says don't do Roth. Okay. So want to say this to you, there's something that should be automatic for you if you're a renter. And that's having renter's insurance, and so many people don't with ugly consequences. I want to talk about that ahead, and the cheapest way I know of to buy renter's insurance. It's standard operating procedure in television that when the TV reporter is covering a f- apartment fire, and you have all these displaced residents, the TV reporter says, and the red cross is here providing temporary housing for all the residents that were burned out of their apartments because no one had rental insurance renter's insurance and it's just like automatic that's going to the if then people don't buy renter's insurance usually unless the apartment complex they're living in requires it and some of the bigger chains of apartments do require it now and they mark it up. So it's great that tenants have it, but when you just take the landlord's rental insurance, you're going to pay a higher premium than if you went out and shopped on your own. But the more important thing is you got to have this stuff because you think about if your stuff's damaged, lost, stolen, what it will really stolen or it's damaged in a fire, what happens in that case, if you have renter's insurance, most renter's policies are going to provide temporary relocation assistance for you, paying for a place for you to stay in the event the apartment you're in becomes uninhabitable for whatever reason. Replacing your stuff. You don't want to be wiped out. You know, you're glad you're, you survived whatever it is and you're healthy and you're safe. But then the financial hardship of losing the stuff you have from whatever the calamity was. And how much does renter's insurance cost? Usually it's 15 to 20 bucks a month. Now I've talked in the past and people have asked me about Lemonade. Lemonade is a very innovative company and their renter's insurance is five bucks a month. You know what made me think about talking about this? So we have a new tenant in rental property, and the tenant had to provide me with proof because I require that they have renter's insurance. I don't sell it. I just require that the tenant have it. And so I got the policy, and who they have the policy from, Lemonade, and their premium per month, five bucks. And I'm thinking... Wow, I got to talk about this again because I haven't talked about it. Let's say you you have a college-age kid and they're off renting someplace. They never have renter's insurance and uh, their lives are a little chaotic. Good idea for you as a parent to make sure you got renter's insurance for your kid who's sharing an apartment with a bunch of other people or whatever they're doing. Renter's insurance is great to have. Just make sure, depending on how you live your life and what what stuff you got, that you buy coverage limits that are enough for you to have. And on that point, I want to bring up something about condos. When you're a condo owner, you have a condo policy. And if there's a problem with that condo and you cannot occupy your dwelling for a while, make sure that you have adequate coverage in the condo policy for relocation if you need to relocate for a while it could be I mean depending on what happens at a condo and all the parties involved and all that takes longer to get something fixed get it rebuilt whatever you want to have coverage usually that will cover you for 18 months of alternative dwelling because remember in a condo you're paying a mortgage or you own that property free and clear if you don't have good relocation assistance in that condo insurance policy, then you are paying a second cost every month for rent where you have to live while you can't occupy the condo you're in. That's why it's really important that you have good relocation assistance. So just remember, you're a renter, please get renter's insurance. If you're a condo owner, you're usually going to have a policy, but look at the coverage limits to make sure they are adequate. Krista?
0: This first question is from Tanner in California. Hello, Clark. I turned 18 a couple of months ago, and one of the first things I did was obtain a credit card. It's safe to say I don't even touch my debit card anymore. I've started to research my next credit card. I wanted your advice on any cards that would be beneficial to an 18-year-old with limited credit history. Right now, I'm using a student reward card as my credit card. I'm sure there are a few better options, right?
1: Actually, no. I mean, the student cards are really great because they are like credit with training wheels you usually have a smaller balance. They'll help you build that credit. The card that I've liked the best in the student area is when a card company nobody ever talks about anymore, and that's Discover card. Discover's student card is a really well thought out, good product for college students. And I like it as a first card, in your case, a second card as a college student. I want you to have two cards till you really establish your credit. And once you start working and all that, you'll be in great shape to be able to get cards that will carry you for the rest of your life. What Discover hopes is by being the first card you ever carry, in this case it would be second, you'll stay brand loyal to Discover all through the years.
0: From Leah in Georgia, recently you talked about the cost of medical procedures. I was wondering what you think of direct primary care medicine. Recently, my husband's endocrinologist and our PCP have moved to this model. I already work two jobs, one for insurance and one at the family business. Is the extra expense worth it?
1: Okay, so this is something that is growing in the marketplace but is not talked about a lot. So here's the way direct primary care... Generally works, and I'm going to give general guardrails because there is no legal requirement how it works. So, people may be familiar with concierge medicine that's where you pay a big annual fee to go to have access to a doctor whenever you want. You have his or her cell phone number, they are in theory or someone is available to you 24 hours a day. They offer same day appointments, some cases, same day or next day appointments and it's a completely different way of doing medicine it has very high annual fees still involves traditional insurance the direct primary care i remember telling a story about a doctor who went to being a one person practice literally you know she had to have so much staff to deal with the insurance companies and fight about reimbursements and the insurance company denies this and they fight over that and it's a huge administrative overhead for doctors and very demoralizing and kills their autonomy. So that's led to this movement among a lot of doctors, direct primary care, and it's most pure form, the way it works, is you pay the doctor a fee, an annual fee, not anything as expensive as typically you'd have with a concierge doctor, but they don't take insurance. You do business with them, you pay them and they don't have any of the office administrative overhead and they don't have any insurer second-guessing them. Now you still, in addition to that, you still got to have health insurance to pay for if you need a hospitalization or whatever.
0: Catastrophic you know, care.
1: Catastrophic care, thank you. And so it doesn't replace the way you think about health care, but it's a different way of pro- getting your regular health care that is not catastrophic coverage.
0: From Julian, Virginia, my son is a special needs adult. I am unable to get term life insurance on him because of his special needs. Is there an option for whole life insurance? He will reside with us as long as we're able to care for him, and I was hoping to get life insurance in the event of his passing to cover funeral costs. I am active duty military, so he is covered, but what about after I retire? So,
1: Julia, first of all, thank you so much for your service to our country in the U.S. military. As far as the situation with your son, it depends on the degree of the special needs and what it means in terms of lifespan, whether or not he is insurable either under a term policy or a whole life. And what you need is you need a very experienced life insurance agent who would know based on the situation Specifically, with your son, whether or not insurance is possible, but the alternative that I recommend is an able account. And I don't know if you're familiar with ables, but able accounts allow you to put aside up to a max each year, which is fifteen or sixteen thousand. See what it is right now. Trying to remember the limit on an able account, and money in an able account does not affect 16. any sixteen thousand any federal benefits or state benefits that your son may be eligible for, but allows you to put money aside for present and future financial and medical needs. And also in this case, uh, you're worried about potential end of life. And so ABLE accounts work kind of like a 529 college savings account. And I really like them as a way for you to build money, Julia, for your son beyond just a specific expense like burial, it allows you to build, again, up to 16000 And there are a number of ABLE accounts in the marketplace that are very decent. A number of states offer them as an adjunct to their 529 college savings plans because they are kind of like a sibling. I know it sounds crazy, but they're kind of like a sibling to a college savings account, 529 account. And it the money grows tax-free. Again, does not affect benefits for your son and is spent tax-free on eligible purposes. So look it up. If you have trouble finding information you can trust on an ABLE account, for your son, please come back to us and we'll provide you more specific information to help you for your son's circumstance.
0: We do have an article on Clark.com about able accounts as well.
1: Yeah, because it, they're, they're pretty simple, but the terminology can be a little confusing. So we do have like a cheat sheet guide to them at Clark.com. And I want to tell you, speaking of clark.com we are here to serve you around the clock with advice and info for your wallet but we offer something else as well one-on-one free advice and guidance through the team clark consumer action center you can talk with one of our team clark members 30 hours each week it's from 10 in the morning eastern time zone to 4 in the afternoon eastern time zone and the number to get one-on-one Direct advice, 636, it's free, 636-49-CLARK.